Hi, folks. Today we are talking about starting an online business and maybe you can become a blog entrepreneur yourself. Today we have on board Matthew, who built up a very decent online business himself. Hi, Matthew. Who are you and what do you do? Hi, guys. My name's Matthew Woodward. I am from the UK originally and I've been playing with things online since the age of around 13 and I'm about to be 30 so I've been doing this for <laughs> quite a long time now um, before I even knew that you could use the internet to make money I was uh, writing articles and producing content on a volunteer basis and over the past sort of 15 years or so I found myself in various positions in the digital marketing world. I had a very successful corporate career running campaigns for some big, big global brands. And then around six or seven years ago now, I took the jump and went full time for myself, building a range of affiliate sites and the blog that most people know me for, matthewwoodward.co.uk which is my award-winning digital marketing blog that basically just shares my experience and knowledge with everyone uh, free of charge. And how did it all start with uh, starting your own blog? And at what point in time did you think, oh, this is a worthwhile endeavor? So <laughs> that's a great question because the blog was originally started as an experiment because I am really... Uh, What excites me is black hat SEO, which is, <laughs> uh, it's a bit of a controversial topic at times, but really that's what excites me. And back then, we're going back four or five years ago when Matt Cutts was in charge of the Google web spam team. He was always saying, you know, create high quality content, forget about SEO, forget about backlinks and so on. So with that in mind, that's kind of what I did. I decided well, you know, uh, if I was just to record the kind of things that I do every day as part of my affiliate marketing, that might be interesting and helpful to people. So I'm just going to record what I'm already doing and publish it and see what happens. It turned out that people loved that and the feedback was absolutely awesome. So I just focused on creating content that is just what I was doing every day, but also solved people's problems that I was seeing coming up on forums like Warrior Forum and Black Hat World and so on. And what kept you motivated in, in pursuing this? Because I imagine for the first three or six or maybe even nine months, you would have no real or big traffic and still spending time and writing and marketing your content. What kept you motivating? Well, actually, if you jump on the blog, there's a page in the, in the header for income reports and you can actually see every month from day one, how much traffic and how much money I had. So I don't really want to focus on the amount of traffic and the amount of money too much, although I'm going to tell you what those initial numbers were, because one of the big mistakes many people make is focusing on how much money they've made or how much traffic they've got, which can actually be very demoralizing when there is no traffic and there is no money after a few months. <laughs> Instead, you guys should be focusing on how to get your first 100 subscribers as before you even think about money. But for me, I was very lucky. And also I had the fact that I have 15 years experience doing this. So month one was around 2000 visitors and made about $600. Month two was around four and a half thousand visitors, but about $4,000 profit. Not bad. And month three actually jumped to near $7,000 with uh, 6,000 visitors. So You can see on the blog in my income reports how all of that was done, but I don't want people to really 
focus on those numbers too much because uh, it can be very demoralizing. For me, if you just focus on, first of all, getting your first 100 subscribers, and then just the feedback that you get, the quality of feedback, the people that email you that say, thank you for helping. I had this problem, you solved it. Or, you know, I had a blog that was doing no visitors and now it's doing 100 visitors. Just those small micro bits of feedback is really what drove me to carry on working on the blog for so many years. Matthew, imagine somebody reads your blog and then he says, oh, I want to start my own blog. What type of advice can you give him on how to find really a topic where he can blog on, which is maybe even profitable over some months or years? Okay, <laughs> that's, that's quite a tough question because <laughs> everybody's different. So take on board the advice I said, don't really worry about the money, kind of forget about the money, forget about anything about, you know, how am I going to make money from this? You really want to strip it back to to play to your strengths or to your weaknesses. And those are different for everyone. So it's very hard to give specific advice here. But I have a small exercise that I get people to do. And essentially what you want to do is you want to create five different lists and you want to put around five to 10 items on each of these lists. The first list that you want to create is a list of things that you're good at. You know, that's going to be different for everyone. Yeah. Then you want to create a list of things that you're bad at. And if you're anything like me, my, the list of things I'm bad at is far longer than the list of things that I'm good at. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then you want to make a list of what do you enjoy most. You know, some people enjoy video games. Some people enjoy football, yeah. things like that. Don't be afraid to list what you might think is stupid during this exercise. The fourth list you want to do is what do you want to learn about? So things that have interested you. For me personally, that was I always wanted to learn another language. So I've been learning Spanish, but that would be on my list of things to learn about. And finally, the fifth list, what problems do you have? You know, what problems do you have in your day to day life? That could be anything from credit card debt all the way through to your car keeps breaking down or you know, and, and anything, anything. Writing those lists, it sounds easy, but actually when you get down to doing it, it can be quite challenging to come up with things that you're good and bad at. And then. Once you've got those five lists, what are you good at? What are you bad at? What do you enjoy most? What do you want to learn about? And what problems do you have? That really forms the basis for your niche ideas. So once I've got my list of ideas, I always try and think about the bigger picture. And I also try and think about the smaller picture. So to tell you what I mean by that is I get a bunch of emails off people saying, oh, I've built this site and it's making no money. I've built this site and having this problem. And The common mistake I find is that people limit themselves from day one. So someone might be like, oh, yeah, I've made an awesome affiliate website about iPhone 6 cases. And, well, the problem there is they've not thought about the bigger picture in that the iPhone 6 will be replaced eventually, which means that from day one, they've set themselves up to fail. So if you found this awesome iPhone 6 cases niche, what you should think about is, well, what about the future? And instead, you should make a website that's specifically about phone cases or electronics protection in general. And then rather than just having topics about iPhone 6, you could also do things like, off the top of my head, the best waterproof cases for your tablet or how to protect your phone on a construction site or, I don't know, the best cases to take underwater photos with your phone. Something like that, which then 
allows you to become the authority, if you like, on electronic device protection and cases rather than just focusing on that smaller iPhone 6 cases picture. It allows you to broaden your reach and also extend the life of the business. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've seen lots of entrepreneurs who are picking a too small of a niche or a niche that is depreciating over time, like described. Yeah, it's an easy trap to fall into because when you're doing your niche research and you see all the, the traffic numbers and the trends, they look great. But okay, in a year, it's going to be very different. Yeah. But on the other side of the coin, you can go too big of a picture. So, you know, you might go, okay, in your list, what do you enjoy most? Well, perhaps you enjoy traveling. Well, the problem is, if you're just like, okay, I'm going to build a travel blog, there's thousands of travel blogs. They all do the same thing. It's really boring. There's not many travel blogs that have a unique twist or stand out to me. So if something you enjoyed was travel, okay, well, that's too big of a picture. We need to look at a smaller picture. So you might think about looking at just music festivals, and then you travel around visiting music festivals, producing content reviews, etc. Or you might go create a blog, a travel blog about moving abroad or opportunities to work while traveling. And so then you're kind of niching down into something more specific. Another example, what do you enjoy most? Food. I love food. Who doesn't enjoy food? <laughs> But again, that's too broad of a niche. There's so many food blogs out there, too. so many recipe blogs out there. It's boring. So you need to think about niching down and in food i mean i don't know cooking for single men would be a better niche to niche down into from food yeah so you don't want to go and set a ceiling but you don't want to go so broad that you kind of fall into this big sea of blogs that already exist you've really got to kind of find that that middle ground Yeah. From my point of view, you always need to find some kind of a value proposition that somebody visits and reads your blog. Because if you are just like any other food blog out there with the same kind of uh, pictures and text, why should people visit your site and not the other 1000s? Of course. Of course. You've got to add that value somewhere. And, you know, the cooking for single men example sounds stupid. But if you're a single man and you're going out to buy food and you look at a recipe online the recipes are always four to six portions yeah so that means that you've got to eat the same thing all week or the ingredients go off or you know it's very difficult to go into a supermarket buy food that creates enough meals for the week without any leftovers so just having that slight little twist on it really changes everything and here's a very free kind of business or blog idea for you guys out there Just start a food blog and make the recipes conditional on some factors like the number of people or so. Yeah. Okay, cool. How do you build the traffic for your website, Matthew Woodward, in terms of the content creation, for example? Okay. How do you come up with topics? I had a very, very, very simple strategy at the start, and I still do it now. The content creation is above all the most important thing. You should not be thinking about traffic, backlinks, or anything else until you've got content nailed. And I always try and focus on building content that helps people and solves problems. Problem-solving content is great because when a new reader comes to your site and you're helping them, that kind of creates this 
subconscious relationship between you and the reader it, almost immediately without you having to try they needed help you helped them it's perfect problem solving content is often shared a lot as well so i always focus on solving people's problems it's my entire content strategy mm-hmm. how you find those problems well it's pretty easy because you can find forums in your niche you can jump on uh, q a sites like Cura or Yahoo Answers, which isn't so much used anymore, or in Facebook groups, anywhere that people post questions. And that's where I go to hunt for my blog topic ideas. And once I see regular kind of questions coming up or things where I think, oh, yeah, I've got the perfect experience to answer that or or whatever, that becomes a content strategy. Okay. That's where all of the ideas come from. And imagine you have written, let's say, 100 or 200 blog posts and every week you are publishing, again, two or three blog posts. How are you going about this content marketing and especially interested in your backlinking strategy? Because you said before that you are interested in Black Hat SEO as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, backlinking strategy we'll talk about in a minute. Sure. Yeah, that'll be an interesting talk. With the actual promotion of the content, well, I try and do a couple of different things. So when I've created content that solves people's problems, I always add a social locker of some kind. And a social locker, if anyone's wondering, is where you have to like share on Twitter or share on Facebook in order to unlock additional content. And that additional content for me is often just a PDF version of the post. So it, it takes like 60 seconds to create, you put it behind a social locker and any traffic that then comes to your post will help you bring new traffic as they share the post to unlock the download. So that's quite an important twist that I put on things because I want to maximize, you know, the value of the traffic that I get. And this is another reason why you shouldn't focus on money, because this is just purely focused on getting more traffic with that said i then go and promote the content in exactly the same place as i got the content ideas from so the same forums the same q a sites the same facebook groups when i see people having problems well now i've just created content that solves that problem and i can introduce the solution to them if you like so someone might be saying how to index my backlinks i'll write them a decent, you know, 100 to 200 word answer and then say, if you, if you want to learn more about this subject or have any more questions, please see my more detailed post. And yeah, it's really simple, a really simple form of content promotion. But when I launched a blog, that's exactly what I did. That's exactly what I did to get 2,000 visitors the first month, four and a half thousand the next month, 6,000 the month after that. It's exactly what I did. I was just balling on forums, Q&A sites, Facebook groups, anywhere where people were asking questions. I was there to answer it with my content. Now we are learning something about your backlinking strategy. So how do you acquire backlinks that are relevant and uplifting you in terms of search traffic? <laughs> okay, so the great irony of the blog is it's an SEO blog that doesn't use SEO. <laughs> Because that was the experiment at the start. Um, you know, Matt Cutts was always banging on about just create high quality content, forget about backlinks, etc., etc. So that's exactly what I did. And I've not actually done any keyword research on the blog, any link building or anything. All I've done is create content that solves people's problems and then go and engage those people with that content. That's it. 
which I realize is very hypocritical. (laughs) (laughs) However, I wouldn't recommend that approach to everyone. I mean, this was purely an experiment. It's not how I would normally do things. You should not be taking that as a good example. Instead, you should be looking to do some basic keyword research for your post. So, you know, if someone is asking how to generate traffic to their website, I'll do a bit of keyword research to see what is actually the most common phrase that people use. It might be increased traffic to my website, for example. And then I'd build the content around that keyword. That's the most important foundation you can put in. Then for backlinks, well, there's so many different ways to build backlinks. But one of the easiest ways, if you're just starting out and you can kill two birds with one stone here, is you can get, well, actually three birds with one stone, you can get traffic, backlinks, and content by taking advantage of people's egos. So one of your first posts might be the make a list of the top 10 food blogs or the top 10 blogs in your niche. And then just list the blogs, write two or 300 words about each blog and just reach out to the blog owners and let them know that you featured them. They usually share it with their audience, usually gives you a backlink, usually gives you traffic and you've got a piece of content that your readers will love. One question regarding that, is the link truth that is coming from those, let's say, 20, 30 bloggers or so, also applicable to the new content that you are writing? It depends. Some people are going to link to your homepage, which ultimately is what you want to do. You want to drive the overall authority of the domain. Some people will link to the post itself. You get into conversations with people and you could just ask them to link where you'd like them to link. Or they might even invite you to write a dedicated post on their site and then you've got free reign on where you link you know it it really opens a lot of doors and opportunities beyond just link building so when i'm starting out and i've written let's say 20 or 30 posts should i rather be promoting and getting backlinks for my homepage, or am i more trying to get backlinks for single posts if you have a single post that is targeting a specific keyword that you believe you can easily rank for then by all means, build backlinks to that specific post. But in general, for most people, it's better to drive that authority to the root domain because as you build links and authority to the root domain, it actually raises the authority of all the pages on the site. Mm -hmm. So I prefer that kind of more wider approach where you build authority to the root domain, which raises all ships, albeit it it raises them slower than if you were to build links to a specific page. So there's not a right or wrong answer there. But personally, I would prefer to build the authority of the root domain over building the authority of a specific internal page when you're starting out, when you're starting out. And if you are, let's say, in the process of having been in the business for two or three years, what would you then then? So if you're at a stage where you've already built a significant amount of authority to the root domain, a great exercise that you can do is you can use something like SEMrush to find out which pages and which keywords you're currently ranking for. So you might have a keyword that's actually ranking on page two in position 12, but With just a few dedicated links to that page, it could be very easy to bring that into the top five results. Mm -hmm. So you're then essentially just leveraging 
the authority you've already built. And, you know, if you've got a keyword at the bottom of page one, you know, ranks eight to 10, you can usually bring that into the top five just by adding internal links to the page. Yeah. You don't necessarily need to go off-site and build external links. But you'll find as you're building that authority to the homepage, these opportunities will just come. You'll be like, whoa, I wasn't expecting that keyword to be on the first page. Holy shit. <laughs> and then you have to kind of, okay, well, actually, I'm not using that keyword in the page title. So I could optimize the page title a little bit more. I could maybe increase a keyword density, maybe add the keyword in a header, and then add a couple of internal links from other pages. And then you'll very quickly find pages like that move into the top five or the top three. And that's when the real traffic starts to come. Yeah. So you would rather focus on content optimization first and then getting additional backlinks to a specific article. Yes, because when you're building content that solves problems for people and you're not really too focused on keywords, these opportunities just arise where you're just like, whoa. I never expected to be ranking for that term. Well, okay, now now I know that I'm ranking decently for it without trying. Now I'm going to try. But can you break something? For example, imagine I'm having a really awesome article on fishermen's. I don't know. Yeah? Yep. And now I see, oh, actually, I should be yeah, ranking for fishermen nets in New York, for example. Mm -hmm. And now I'm changing the title. And my hypothesis was, hey, if I'm adding this or changing this, Keywords, I will be ranking higher, but actually, no, I'm ranking lower. So how do I really balance this kind of trade-off on making this experiment? And is this repairable? So if I'm making a mistake and the traffic drops, how fast am I seeing this? And can I return it and then have the same results as before? Okay, if you're making the on-page changes and the internal links and everything, now everyone needs to understand that SEO is nothing more than risk management. That's all SEO is. It's just managing risk. And this is a, what I would consider to be a very low risk task because you're in control of everything. So if you change a page title, change a keyword density, add some internal links, and the end result is it actually drops in rankings, well, you can just reverse what you've done. And, and it would take a couple of weeks for you to see the increase or the decrease. When you're trying to recover from the drop, just because you change it back to how it used to be doesn't always mean you're going to recover. It could be that you've done the damage and it's not going to recover from that. In this case, I would then go out, I'd put everything back how it was, and then I would build some external backlinks from authoritative sites in my niche. And that would then bring it back to where it was or better. And how would you do that? So what type of step-by-step -step approach would you use to get this external backlinks? Well, back to my statement about SEO is just risk management. Some people might go the full black hat approach and build out a private blog network, which, you know, in some niches, you just cannot compete unless you're running private blog networks. It's impossible. But that in itself is a whole headache and skill to learn and it takes time and money. The easy approach would be perhaps leverage some of your relationships to do guest posting. That's a very easy link building task for anyone to do, you know, regardless of experience, whether you're new or you've been doing this for years, just leveraging relationships and doing guest posts on other sites is easy for anyone to do. And that carries very minimal risk. So 
depending on your level of experience and your knowledge of SEO, you know, you can either go high risk, high reward, private blog networks, or low risk, but still a decent reward with guest posts. Okay. Matthew, now assume we have built an awesome blog with lots and tons and tons of traffic. And although we don't uh, start with the monetization in mind, now it's time to monetize yep. because we need to pay the bills. How do we monetize the traffic? And when I'm looking at your incoming reports, you have different types of revenue sources, for example. And I would be very interested in how did they develop over time and uh, why did you choose especially the affiliate income revenue stream? Okay, so I actually made a huge mistake with my blog from day one, a mistake that I carried on making for two or three years. So I'll tell you what that is in a moment. First, I'd like to say, well, most of the earnings of my blog are based on affiliate earnings, as you've just said. And the reason for that is, for me, affiliate payouts allow you to be the product owner without any of the hassle. For example, if you own a product like, um, let's say, Longtail Pro, You have to deal with customer support, you have to deal with updating the product, fixing bugs, and just a bunch of stuff. But as an affiliate, I can make a sale of that product and take half of the money recurring for life without any of those problems. So the money's split 50-50. The only difference is I don't have to deal with all of those problems. And that's the case with 99% of affiliate programs in that You get half of the money of the sale. Certainly for digital products, if you're going into something like Amazon, you're going to get, you know, in that three to eight percent range. But still, you don't have to deal with any problems. You don't have to deal with any time consuming tasks like customer support or fixing bugs or anything like that. So that's why I really like affiliate based promotions. The alternative would be just putting AdSense or advertising on my site, and I would also have not this kind of hassle. Yes, you can use AdSense links, but I've done some experimentation with this. And once your site's got a decent amount of traffic, I found that it's better to remove AdSense and replace it with your own banner ads that you sell. So you can use a WordPress plugin like OIO Publisher, which is a complete self-serve banner advertising platform where advertisers can just buy banner ads through PayPal and upload their banner and the, the plugin takes care of all of the headache for you. All you have to do is approve or deny ads. Or you can use something like Buy Sell Ads, which is a third-party platform, which essentially does the same thing, but they've got a big marketplace of advertisers as well. What type of uplift did you experience in your experiments when you compare AdSense advertising versus your own hosted advertising? Like six times increase. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. However, you have to consider that I can charge a premium for those ad spaces just because of, of how the blog is regarded in the niche. It adds a certain credibility to the people advertise on the blog. And I charge for that. Yeah. So, you know, selling your own banner ads isn't necessarily the best option for everyone. You should certainly be experimenting with it. When you're just starting out and, you know, you're getting less than a thousand people a day, AdSense. After that, you want to look at selling your own banner advertisements. And Matthew, for the future, what type of revenue streams would you like to explore for Matthew Woodward Co. UK? Okay. In the future, and back to the biggest mistake I made, which 
was actually not having my own product to sell. So while promoting affiliate products does avoid a lot of the headaches, it does also in other ways restrict you. For example, by not having my own product to sell, I was leaving a lot of money on the table. I wasn't making the best use of my email list. There's lots of places for people to sign up to my email list all over the blog. And that could be better funneled into my own product. I would also then replace all of the banner advertising and AdSense advertising that I'm selling with advertising for my own product, which would be far more lucrative and far more profitable. So when you're just getting your blog off the ground, it can be quite a big challenge to put out a product, but it doesn't need to be anything sophisticated or special. It could just be something that's a quick $7 PDF cheat sheet, for example, uh, maybe a healthy eating cheat sheet or know, whatever niche you're in. You can usually create a one page PDF checklist cheat sheet type thing that with you know tips and advice or, or, or whatever and sell, package that up and sell it for between you know, seven and nine dollars, just a low, a low barrier entry product. Did you experiment with this? No, this is one of the big mistakes I made. I didn't do that. And it's something I regret heavily, heavily when I look back at it. I mean, I'm, I'm in, the, in the, the position of hindsight right now, so I can look back and say, oh. But you could change it. I mean, what I keeps you from it. doing this uh, in the next 24 hours? <laughs> I wish I had time to do it in the next 24 hours. But <laughs> um, I have since launched my own product. It was a bigger course. It was priced at $297, um, actually about private blog networks. I made it available for sale for five days and then took it off the market. The reason it was only available for five days is I wanted to launch it. I wanted to get students on board. It needed a fair amount of hands-on coaching and helping people through the course when they had questions. So I don't want it to be always open because I don't want to always have that time commitment there and also taking it on and off the market really it makes people buy it when it is available rather than making it available all the time but that's at the higher end of the market you know a 297 product it took me six months to make the product and that's an unrealistic investment of time and money for a new blogger so looking back What I should have done is just spend a day creating a product that I can sell for seven or nine dollars. And that would really help me leverage my position early on. Cool. Matthew, right now you are in Costa Rica and I would love you to describe a day in the life of a blog entrepreneur. So what's your day like? <laughs> okay, so a lot of people have the illusion that the blogging lifestyle is you know beach laptop deck chairs taking it easy feet up and honestly that is not the case when you're just starting a blog i mean when i started out i was doing 80 to 90 hour weeks if if i had time to go to the toilet that was a luxury in life like a real luxury um i'd quite often find myself in quite <laughs> desperate positions from starvation eating the toilet and you know shaking and really not in the, looking after my health while I was growing a blog so how does a day in the life of a blog entrepreneur look well when you're first starting out it is not fun it is hard grueling difficult long-winded terrible experience 
especially if you're trying to work a full-time job at the same time, which I did for a while. You know, I'd, I'd get home at six. I'd have something to eat quickly. 6.30, 6.45, I'd start working. I'd stop working at 2 a.m., go to sleep, back to my job. And I'd just do that every day. It also, you know, a day in my life, even right now, it depends. If I've got really aggressive goals and things that I'm trying to achieve, I'll hit 12 to 16 hour days back to back without a day off until I reach that goal. I, I'm just like that. You know, I, I go in with both feet, I bite down and I just get it done. No excuses. I give up. I give up everything. TV, friends, drinking, eating, going to the toilet, everything until I achieve the goal. I'm like a dog with a bone. <laughs> but it's also important to remember to enjoy the fruits of your labor. So this past month for, for all of May. And this is a great position to be in for all of May. I was like, you know what? Screw it. I don't care. This month is about me. I'm going to do the complete opposite. I've not got a really big goal I'm trying to achieve right now. So I just slip into maintenance mode. I do the bare minimum to keep things ticking over, maybe a a few hours a week. And I really enjoy the freedom of the dot-com lifestyle, Um, not just in terms of the money, because everyone always thinks, oh, yeah, blogging money, yeah, blogging money. but also the freedom of time and the freedom of location. You know, I'm, I'm a British guy in Costa Rica right now. So <laughs> I'm either one or the other. I'm either working until my fingers are bleeding or I'm in complete relaxation. I've, I, I don't have that balanced middle ground in my life. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Matthew, thank you so much for sharing your insights. And I wish you lots of pleasure in Costa Rica, especially now as you are on the yeah, let's say loaf season yeah. you know? <laughs> and can enjoy the weather and and the, maybe diving yeah? yeah 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 free diving spear fishing that's my uh that's my love outside of uh, digital marketing <laughs> cool stuff thank you matthew no thank you for having me and um just a final bit of advice if you're starting a blog please please don't make the same mistake as everyone and focus on the money i've seen so many great blogs come and after month three four or five they just die. They stop updating them. They get abandoned. And when I speak to the people, I say, well, you know, it wasn't making any money. And if they'd have just carried on for another two or three months, they'd have reached that goal. So please, if you're starting out, forget about the money. Your first and only goal should be to get your first 100 email subscribers. If you do that successfully, everything else will follow in time. So please keep that in mind if you're just starting out. Good stuff. Okay, thank you so much. And enjoy your time. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.